This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible reading, gun toting, Air Force veteran, wife, and mom, righteously American. Welcome to Stacy on the Right here on LifeZet TV. LifeZet.com is where you can find out more about what we're doing. Let's dig into a couple things here. First off, today on the show, we're going to talk about Mayor Pete and his really, uh, it was kind of a crass answer that he gave to this woman who actually leads a pro-life organization for Democrats. So we'll dig into his comments and we'll kind of uh, really talk about the future of pro-life individuals who happen to be Democrats and whether or not the Democrats actually want them and what you can do if you're a pro-life Democrat, what you can do to actually impact whether or not the Democrats care about your vote. And we're going to do a quick impeachment recap. So we have this amazing uh, opportunity here to understand what's happening in the Senate impeachment trial. And I think one of the best summations of what we've seen thus far was given by the RNC's Liz Harrington. Now, she, you know, she's been a frequent guest on the program, and I consider, to be, I consider her to be an expert in this. And so she had some comments on exactly what we've seen so far and what we should think about it. Here she goes. Um, President Trump is going to fight back. This is, he's absolutely right. This is a corrupt politician who has zero credibility, Adam Schiff. He lied for over two years. He's still lying about evidence of collusion. And he's just acting as if it exists and smearing the president for cheating in his first 10 minutes. He couldn't get 10 minutes into his argument without falsely smearing the president of cheating. And it's not just about President Trump. That statement means 63 million Americans that voted for him, your vote doesn't matter. That's what Democrats are saying to you. They are saying your vote, we don't accept your vote. He had to cheat to get your vote and we know that's not true. And so the smears that have been coming out of Adam Schiff, he didn't just lie about collusion, he lied about the FISA court abuses, spying against President Trump's campaign, which we know are now illegal according to the Justice Department. He lied about that and smeared Devin Nunes. He released Devin Nunes' phone records. His abuse of power on that committee, and of course, bringing us to this moment, was all concocted by Adam Schiff lying about a whistleblower that he said he had never, his committee had never spoken to. But as somebody who's in politics, do you work? So when you take a look at that and what she said, I mean, it's pretty hard to disagree with it if your thought processes are rooted in the truth. The fact is, the president is allowed to hire and fire ambassadors at will. There really isn't any guidance around that in the Constitution, and Congress has not taken it up as an issue that they feel they need to try to regulate in the executive. And I'm not sure if new laws concerning who can be hired and fired in the executive branch would pass constitutional muster. Additionally, there's some waste of time element to this whole thing. Because uh, I can, I agree completely with Elizabeth Harrington's summation there. There is a list that Ann Coulter put out, and I want to share a little bit with you. Ann Coulter feels like there are some things that our Senate could actually be taking up, such as an infrastructure bill. We have a lot of federally uh, funded highways, bridges, roadways that are in deplorable condition that could be rectified with an infrastructure bill. Um, 
the deluge of cheap foreign labor. She mentions that because, of course, she's an immigration hawk. She's written all of the books on it. And if she sounds a bit obsessed with it, it's because you can't help but be obsessed when you write a book about something. The research that goes into writing a book requires that you immerse yourself in the subject to such a degree that you almost become a little crazy. It makes you a little teensy-weensy bit crazy. Not crazy in a bad way, but crazy like a fox because you know everything there is to know about a subject. And when you hear people spouting off nonsense, it just triggers something within you. You have to correct them and you have to keep people's attention on the issue because you've researched it. You've immersed yourself in it. You are now almost made of this subject matter. I think it's great. I think it's a wonderful thing that we have her and that she's immersed in the immigration issue because otherwise, how would we ever get any truth out of anybody? We have Numbers USA. Uh, we have a few other organizations that are fantastic. Um, you know, Todd Benzman, um, Michael Cutler. We, I mean, there I could name off just a zillion people who do great work, but when it comes to the books, the books that you can get on Audible and listen in your car, the books that you can stack up on your nightstand and hopefully actually make it through that pile, Ann Coulter's written those. And so that's why I continue to, she's my go-to source for this type of information. She also says we should stop inviting the rest of the world to come partake of government benefits that were created and meant to be used by Americans. She talks about fixing the disaster that is Obamacare and passing a bill to defund all of the pointless, useless, and expensive military deployments that are going on around the world. In that, she and I share a unimind. I mean, there's a few issues we share a unimind on, but we're really walking in lockstep on that one. I consider it to be a travesty and a moral outrage that we spend trillions of dollars in the Middle East when we could be using those dollars here in our own country or at very minimum in Mexico and El Salvador and Honduras to stop the devastation of the drug cartels on those poor, innocent people. Um, they deserve our help. They don't deserve our help here in America. They don't all need to come here. We need to help them in their countries. But we can't do that because we're too busy obsessing about the biblical age conflict going on in the Middle East that we cannot solve. We cannot fix what's going on between Ishmael and Jacob's you know, heirs. We can't do it. So we, we, what we have to do is move on. Um, and then there's the opioid crisis. We have to declare war on the Mexican drug cartels. We have to finish the wall. Um, and those are things that, again, trillions of dollars in the Middle East or those things. And we don't need, uh, what is it, 25 billion was the estimate when three years ago when the president first started talking about building the wall? $25 billion. Congress sneezes and spends that much money. That's your money and it's my money. So Thank God Elizabeth Harrington is out there. Thank God for Ann Coulter. Um, I don't care what you think about her criticisms of the president. She has every right to criticize him. I happen to be a, obviously a supporter on two of his coalition's uh, advisory boards, um, but I have also criticized the president in the past if I felt it was necessary. It does not lessen my support for him. And I think it's appropriate for us to take everything within context. And so um, I think her list is amazing, and I'm really glad that she's still out there swinging in spite of opposition that's kind of coming against her because of some of the things that she said in the past. So now let's get on to a topic that this is really important for us because I just learned something new. And I always feel like on the abortion front, I've read all of the papers, I've read all of the documents, I've been to all the websites, I've written the speeches, I've given them, I've talked about my personal experiences. This is a subject area in which I am completely knowledgeable. 
until we talk about pro-life Democrats. I had no idea there were 24 million pro-life Democrats in America and that there is this woman, I've heard of Democrats for life, but I hadn't heard of this, this particular woman, this particular question. And so this takes us to a town hall that um, Mayor Pete had on Fox News. And Chris Wallace is questioning him and they're taking questions from the audience there. And, you know, Mayor Pete is a, an accomplished speaker. He has a way of his, his diction reminds me a lot of President Obama. It's a little bit academic. It's a little bit rock and roll. He's not as academic sounding as President Obama, but he has a little bit of the same cadence and it might be practiced. He might have watched Obama's speeches and thought that's something that works for him. It's going to work for me, regardless of where it comes from. He has a very measured way of answering questions that makes you think he's thought about them for a long time. So whatever it is, performance or truth, it works, except on this issue of abortion. So we have two video cuts for you here. The first one, Mayor Pete is asked about abortion, and the woman who's asking him is a pro-life Democrat, and the question is, it just goes straight to the heart of what people who are on the left have been struggling with for the past 10 years. So ever since the Democrats made a radical shift into supporting all forms of abortion up to and through birth of the child, this has been a problem for pro-life Democrats. They call themselves blue dog Democrats, much more traditionally minded Americans who happen to be on the left side of the political aisle. So take a look at Mayor Pete and this question. Well, I am a proud pro-life Democrat. So do you want the support of pro-life Democrats, pro-life Democratic voters? There are about 21 million of us. And if so, would you support more moderate platform language in the Democratic Party to ensure that the party of diversity and inclusion really does include everybody? <laughs> well, I respect where you're coming from, and I hope to earn your vote. But I'm not going to try to earn your vote by tricking you. Uh, I am pro-choice. And I believe that a woman ought to be able to make that decision. Here's what I... So this is $70 million that's on the line that Planned Parenthood has set aside out of the 50, $558 million uh, U.S. taxpayer dollars that are given to Planned Parenthood. They set aside between 20 and 70 million every election cycle to support Democratic candidates. So 21 million votes is a lot of votes. In fact, if just a third of those people swung to the Republican side on the issue of abortion, the Democrats would lose not, not just handily, but they would be soundly smacked back into, I don't know, the 80s maybe on their abortion policy stance. So I, I want to make a couple of points here. First off, uh, the reason why the Mayor Pete and other Democrats, especially these new kind of progressive minded Democrats who are being driven to the left by Bernie Sanders and AOC and, and the squad. The reason why they don't care about 21 million pro-life Democrats is because they know that those pro-life Democrats are not pro-life as their number one issue, which is why I am. I've explained this before, but to recap really quickly, the reason why I'm pro-life first, so candidates have to be pro-life and then pro-Second Amendment, pro-religious liberty, smaller government, ending the endless wars, et cetera, et cetera. The reason why I'm pro-life first is because if a person is great on the Second Amendment, but they're pro-choice, then that puts me at odds with what the Bible tells me that I have to do as a Christian, which is render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. And then I have to 
in the rendering, I have to do it from my Christian worldview. So there is nothing that encompasses or gets in front of or stands in between me and what God's word says and what God has asked us to do as Christians, which is to live for him all the time. So I can't be a Christian like wearing this sweater and I'm wearing this sweater because it goes well with this red top. But when I want to wear a different top, I take the sweater off and the Christianity is the sweater. So the sweater only gets worn when it goes with whatever it's under, whatever's underneath or whatever shoes I'm wearing. Or you see how this could go all wrong. The sweater could work with every part of my outfit except my coat. Got to take the sweater off. Can't go out without a coat in the wintertime. You see what I'm saying? So the pro-life issue has to be number one when you're talking about voting and politics, because it is the one that biblically you cannot have any of the other rights that God gives you if you're dead. Right? So you care about poverty. Well, you can't pull someone out of poverty who was never allowed to be born. You care about racism, that you should want every single baby who's created, and especially the black ones, to be born alive. If Roe v. Wade was never passed, there would be 40% more black Americans, which would make us around 26 to 28% of the population, which would mean that inner cities and other areas where Blacks are heavily populated would be in much better condition because neither Democrats or Republicans could afford to ignore 28 to 30% of the electorate, you, whatever the number would be, even if it was just 22%, can you imagine the same way that both parties chase after the uh, Hispanic vote because they are 18 to 20% of the population, you would see an even stronger push for the Black vote. They wouldn't take it for granted. Not only those things, but it goes to the fundamental heart of our constitution and our bill of rights and what the founders intended when they made those documents, not to give us rights, not to um, endow us with things, but to acknowledge that God gave us the right to live and he numbers and orders our days and that no man is supposed to touch the anointed. And that's you and me and every unborn baby. Also respecting science, I could go on and on and on. There's a piece over at StaceyOnTheRight.com entitled Attention Democrats. If you want some documentation on some of the things I'm sharing today, you can read that and share it. So what I want to really go into now is you have to hear this woman. Her question was amazing. 21 million Democrats who are pro-life. And he said, yeah, but I'm pro-choice. So here he is again. He doubles down. Her name is Kristen Day, by the way. She's the president of Democrats for Life. And she's 50 years old. She's a runner. You know, lots of cute, like, factoids you can find out about her. Um, and she has an active Twitter feed if you want to find her, Kristen Day, spelled with a K. Um, but here he is. She comes back around because Chris Wallace won't let him dodge answering the whole question. And I, this is kind of an exchange that I think goes down in the record books, but it exemplifies what Dem Democrats believe. Don't for one second get it twisted that abortion isn't their number one issue. It is. It's their number one issue, the issue they will never switch on unless they're forced to by voters. Here it is. It's Pete doubling down. President Trump spoke at the March to Life movement. He was the first president ever to actually appear at the March to Life movement. And I'm curious, Kristen, were you satisfied with the answer you got from the mayor? No, I was not, because he did not answer the second part of my question. And the second part was the Democratic platform contains language that basically says that we don't belong, we have no part in the party, because it says abortion should be legal up to nine months, the government should pay for it. And there's nothing that says that people have a diversity of views 
on this issue should be included in the party. In 1996 and several years after that, there was a language in the Democratic platform that said that we understand that people have very differing views on this issue, but we are a big tent party that includes everybody. And so therefore, we welcome you, people like me, into the party so we can work on issues that we agree on. Yeah. So I, my question was, do you, would you be open to language like that in the, the Democratic pop platform that really did say that our party is diverse and inclusive and we want everybody? Well, I support the position of my party uh, that this kind of medical care needs to be available to everyone. Uh, and I support the Roe versus Wade framework uh, that holds that early in pregnancy, there are very few restrictions, and late in pregnancy, there are very few exceptions. And again, the best I can offer is that we may disagree on that very important issue, uh, and hopefully we will be able to partner on other issues. So he never tells her that her view is valid and worthy of representation in their party's platform. He basically tacitly, without saying it, says that the removal of that language from their party platform, it's for her to ignore her closely held, probably faith-based belief that unborn babies are people too, and that they deserve to be protected. She's to ignore that and partner with him on other issues. But the party platform will never acknowledge her existence or her truth um, in being a pro-life Democrat. And so I just, I hope you'll join with me in praying that Kristen Day and the 21 mil million other Democrats who believe that life is life and babies deserve to be born, that they would, even if it's an exercise to wake Democrats up and shake them out of this, really, it's like a negative downward trend that they're on, the only way to do that is at the voter box. You don't, I respect her question. I'm so glad she asked it. I would never criticize her for going to this party front runner and asking this question publicly because it needed to be asked. But the question won't change him. The only thing that Democrats understand is raw power. And the only raw power that we have as Americans in our form of government is the vote. Now, as Christians, we have the raw power of prayer, and we should be exerting that over this issue. But when it comes to how do you shift a Democrat party platform, how do you shift a Republican party platform? It's through voting, because those actions are heavily watched and examined post-vote, and things are picked apart, analyzed, discussed, and voting patterns shifting shift party platforms. So... You know, I would love to talk to Kristen Day and really understand how she places her pro-life stance within her list of priorities when she's considering who to vote for. And um, I, I would I would love to ask her or find out through a conversation if she's suffering from Trump derangement syndrome and she hates the president or maybe she does appreciate his pro-life stance or she can see, you know, that just like she differs with her party on issues, she could differ with him on issues, but join with him in being pro-life. I would love to know those things, and I hope one day to find them out from her. But until then, this was, to me, it was a pivotal moment in this race, and the Democrats are making a calculation that pro-life voters in their party will continue to stick with them, and they can be ignored, and their presence can be marginalized and dismissed, and they'll still get their votes. The question is, is that the truth? Are they right? 
Let's pray it's not. Let's pray that pro-life Democrats swing to the right, even if it's just for one election cycle to teach the Democrats a lesson. Our country could benefit from having both parties respect life from conception to natural death. It is an acknowledgement that God is sovereign and it would take us out of the judgment pattern that we're currently in, killing 900 black babies a day and around 1300 babies total a day. It would take us out of that judgment pattern and put us back in a, a trajectory where we could really see some wonderful things happening among our youth, our children. Do you, you see the problems that we have with our youth and our children? You see the issues that we have with them not respecting their bodies, not respecting life, not respecting their parents, not respecting institutions, not trusting anyone? Well, if you're a child and you're told early on that when your mom is pregnant, the baby that's in her tummy is your sibling if your mom wants the baby. But if your sister gets pregnant, the baby that's in her stomach is something that's a clump of cells that's to be ripped out and destroyed. You're going to question the value of your life and the value of everyone's lives around you. This is not disconnected. It means something. And until we acknowledge it and repent of our sin of abortion and turn away from it as a nation, we'll continue to be in this ever increasing judgment pattern. And, um, I just pray to God that Kristen Day and that question that it's ringing out and people are hearing it and having a heart change because it's that important to us as a country and individually um, for, for the benefit of America's children. All right. That's the show for today. Thank you so much for being here. God bless. And find out more at lifeset.com and stacyonright.com. Until next time.